Good morning, and such a joy to worship with you this Sunday. Happy Mother's Day again, and uh, it's a privilege to be invited by the WSCS for their weekend. It's uh, I always enjoy coming back to Wesley because I meet old friends. Um, one of the someone that I knew from I want to say talk about Pastor uh, Jen Huat. I wanted. I want to say that we knew each other when we were students in TTC not too long ago, <laughs> right, Jen? What? <laughs> yes, and I'm glad to meet also uh, Pastor Chin Nam. Uh, we never met in the classroom of TTC, but we met as neighbours in TTC, and I'm sure you all know what a fun person Pastor Chin Nam is. So this morning for WSDS, they have given me the theme, and you can show the slides, uh, Raising the Next Generation in God's Way. They have two main uh, verses. Uh, the first one is very well known from Proverbs 22, uh, that the verse that says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Sounds like such a wonderful promise. But maybe some of you struggle with this. Is it true? Does it really work out in life that way? I want to share with you the story of uh, Reverend Dr. William Wan, who today, some of you may have heard of his name. He is the president of the uh, Singapore Kindness Movement. Many years ago, when he was a pastor in the U.S., and this is a testimony that he has shared publicly. He talked about his daughter, who was... You know, like the model student when she was young, but as she became a teenager, she fell in with the wrong crowd and became rebellious and tried drugs. And at 16, she told her parents, I want to leave home and make it on my own. And despite all that the parents tried to say and persuade her, she was adamant about leaving home. And so she did. And William said that every day for months, his wife would go into the daughter's bedroom and just cried. They wonder what they have done wrong. You know, haven't they tried their best for their daughter? And still, the daughter made her own decision, and all they could do was to cry and pray. How do you raise up the next generation in God's way? But the next generation really have to make their own choices as well. Well, the other text that the WSCS has assigned for this weekend is also from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 11. And I think there's wonderful truths to be found there. So let me go to Deuteronomy chapter 11 now. Okay, I have to start the slides from the beginning. Okay. And this is Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18. Let me read this verse. You shall put these words of mine, and this is Moses speaking about God's word, in your heart and soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be an emblem of your forehead. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen begins with you. You, all of Israel, you, each and every Israelite. It's not just about father, mother. This is what you're supposed to do. But no, it's for every person, every person who belongs to God. It's for everyone who is married or unmarried. It's for everyone who is old or young. You shall put these words 
of mine. These words, of course, refer to uh, the Torah in the ancient time and to the whole scripture that we have today as Christians. And you shall put these words of mine in your heart and soul. We think that heart today, we think of it as emotions. But how do you command an emotion? You can't, sometimes we can't control our emotions. In the Old Testament, heart and soul usually refers to mind and will. These are things that you can command. These are things that you can control and exercise. It's like the marriage vows, you know, when you say, you know, I will love you, I'll be committed to you in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, whether you feel like it or not. You just do it. So this is a command uh, that we are to obey God with our mind and will. This is the first step to raising the next generation. The first step is to know the love and awe of God for yourself, for yourself. We have to model it first of all. You know the saying that goes, what you do speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you are saying. What you do speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you are saying. So the first and most important thing is that each of us need to know the love and awe of God for ourselves. And how are they supposed to remember it? The verse goes on to say, You shall bind them, the word of God, as a sign on your hand, and they shall be an emblem on your forehead. Now, the Old Testament Jews and Orthodox Jews today take this very literally. They cut up small pieces of scripture, just like Deuteronomy 11, actually, roll them up, put them in little boxes called tefillin, and then they tie them around their arm and tie them around their forehead as a reminder. Reminder of what, you may ask? Well, let's look at scripture because the first time this command occurred to tie the word of God around hand and head, the first time it occurred was in Exodus chapter 13. And you may have heard of uh, Exodus. It's about how God delivered the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and into freedom to worship him. So it is a reminder of God's great love for them that delivered them. It is also a reminder of God's great power demonstrated by his plague, demonstrated by parting the Red Sea. That's what we are supposed to know. So when you go back to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 11, this is the reminder again of what they are supposed to know. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 11 verses 18 to 20, actually begins, the whole section begins in chapter 10, chapter 10. Because before you tell people what they should obey, you need to tell them why they should obey. And the reason why they should obey is actually rooted in who they should obey. So who is this that they are supposed to obey? And I want to highlight Deuteronomy 10, 15 where it says, Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your ancestors alone and chose you, their descendants after them, you above all people. Why obey God? Because he chose you. Well, why did he choose you? 
if you go back a few chapters in Deuteronomy 7, it spelled this out a little bit more. It was not because you were more numerous than any other people that the Lord set his heart on you and chose you. It was because the Lord loved you. The Lord loved you. So the first point is this, to know the love of God for yourself. In fact, Deuteronomy 9 also goes on the same theme. It says, the Lord chose you not because you were righteous. So if you sum up the whole reason why God loves you and me, actually no reason. Not because you were great or powerful or smart or clever or obedient. None of those. The Lord loved you simply because he loved you. That's all. This is what we call unconditional love. Unconditional love. And this is what we must know in order to bring up the next generation. You know, unfortunately, I think in Singapore and in most Asian countries, we have a hard time understanding unconditional love. We have a hard time experiencing it, a hard time sharing it. Because we grow up with, in families that probably has a tiger mom or a dragon dad. Because we are all about excelling. So I was talking to um, a Wesleyan recently, someone who graduated a year ago, and that's Natalie, and she's working in the youth ministry. And I mentioned to her, I'm going to talk about Tiger Mom. And she got so excited, she Googled it for me. Young people are very quick with Googling. And then she showed me what she found. She said that human Tiger Moms are defined as fierce, controlling, demanding, strict, authoritarian, do what I say kind of moms. But then she said that real animal Tiger Moms are not like that. They're just protective, nurturing, supportive, defend their cubs. So I'm afraid that we got the wrong idea of tigers, the wrong idea of tiger moms. We're probably growing up with the fake tiger mom, you know? If you want to be a good tiger mom, be like the real tigers you know, and take care of the children. Now, what do I mean by this? You know, tiger moms... Um, it's like this. It's, I had a student in TTC who was doing very well, very bright, very capable, but he would always tell me, no, la, I'm not good enough. La. You know, I don't feel capable. I'm not up to it. Why is there this disconnect? And when I talked with him more, I find out more about his mom. He said that when he was growing up, uh, you know, the usual story is that a child come back with 90 marks, it's like the highest in the class, very happy already. And the mom said, why only 90? Why not 100? So he worked even harder. He comes back with 100 marks this time. And the mom says to him, how did your friends do? And then he worked really, really hard. And he comes back again. And he got top in class. And his mom said, must be a very easy exam. Lah. <laughs> no satisfying, right? A tiger mom. And so he grew up thinking that love is conditional. Oh, you have to work so hard for it, and then you might not even get it in the end. But God already loves us. Whether we get zero or hundred, God loves 
us while we were yet sinners. God loves each one of you, even if you can't meet up to expectation. That's un- unconditional love. Many years ago, uh, my daughter struggled with maths when she was in school, especially PSLE maths, and I'm just as bad as her. I couldn't solve PSLE maths. Hopefully, it's easier now. So MOE tells us. So anyway, in those days, I would send her off to tuition, and she did improve, and she kept going for tuition. One day, I got the bill from her tuition teacher, and it was higher than the usual bill. And I asked the tuition teacher, I call her up, I said, oh, did you increase your fees? And she said, no, it's still the same fee. So why is it higher? And she said, your daughter came more often. Wow, really? I didn't know that. She just went for more tuition on her own. You know, just now there was a WSES video, and there was this little girl who said, thank you, mom, that you give me tuition when I asked for it. Oh, that's impressive. She wasn't forced by her mom. She just asked for it. That's so heartening to hear. So I told my daughter when I found this out, I said, I don't care what you get for your grades, for your maths. I am already proud of you because you are putting in your best effort. God doesn't call us to be the best, but he does call us to do our best. And that's good enough for him. Because he loves us unconditionally. So that's the first thing to do. When you want to raise the next generation, know the unconditional love of God for yourself. But the problem is that many of us may have been hurt. Many of us may have grown up under the wrong expectation. And so because we don't know unconditional love, it's hard to give that to our children as well. And this is the reason why I want to sh- I share with you this book that, I, that was published a couple of months ago that I wrote, God, I'm Angry. And I want to thank Wesley for allowing me to have a book table outside. So if you're interested, feel free to purchase a copy. It's $25 a copy, which is way less than what you will have to pay online. You know, the funny thing is that one of my students... Uh, asked me, you know, that he wanted to buy 30 copies, 3-0, to give to his mothers in his church for a mother, as a Mother's Day present. And it's like, oh, so you got a lot of angry mothers, you know. And if you feel that, oh, you don't have to be a mother to buy this book, by the way. But it, I talk about getting hurt and angry, and should we forgive? And how do we forgive? And how do we commit it to God? If you want to know more about Greek and Hebrew, it's there. But if you don't want to know about Greek and Hebrew, it's okay. Skip those parts and just read the stories. And I hope that it will be an encouragement to you to learn how to experience more of God's healing and unconditional love. The next thing that we are to learn about God is also found at the beginning, chapter 10. And let me read verse 17. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, the mighty and the awesome, the awesome one. Now, this description is in the context of God having demonstrated his power in bringing them out of Egypt, you know, through the Exodus, and they have witnessed it for themselves. God of gods and Lord of lords is the very Old Testament way of saying the greatest God, the most powerful authority. 
authoritative sovereign law. There is no one else like our God. And if we are to pass this down to the next generation, you need to know it and experience it for yourself. It's easy to trust God when everything is going well. But can you say this, that you trust God when you face a crisis? I want to share with you the testimony of a lady called Kate Chia. She is one of the owners of Polar Cafe. She did not pay me to say anything about this. Okay? And she was, in fact, one of the early missionaries from Singapore as well. I happened to come across her autobiography. And uh, I read one of her stories and I said, oh, I really must share this on Mother's Day. She talked about her younger son, David, who suddenly was stricken with a serial, a serious illness. He fell into a coma one day, brought him to hospital, and they examined him and found that he had viral encephalitis, um, a viral infection of the brain. And they did an MRI and found that uh, he, he had bleeding in his brain. The brain, mind you. The, the mother was so full of anxiety. She said that she was drowning in negative thoughts. Will he wake up from his coma? And when he wake up, will he be normal? Will he be retarded? Will he be blind? Will he recognize me? And then she said the Holy Spirit just reminded her, in the midst of all that worry, to turn to focus on God, to focus on God. Even if the doctors can't save him, nobody can save him, look to God. And so she said for a few days while he was in ICU, she prayed this prayer every day. And this is her prayer. Dear Lord, I am not looking at the difficulties and complexities of David's illness. I am looking to you, my living God, who controls every circumstance in our lives. If it is your will, please remove this illness from David. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. She repeated that prayer every day she was in ICU. A few days later, David woke up from coma, recognized his mom. Two weeks later, he was discharged. One month later, they went back for a follow-up, did an MRI, and everything was back to normal. Even the neurologist say, said it was a miracle. Thank God. But my point is not so much about the healing. Because Kate said also in her autobiography that whether we live or die, we have the assurance that God is with us. But the point that she wanted to make, and I want to make, is that we are to look to God in any crisis that we have where there seems to be no way out. This is the God we have. Lord of laws, God of gods, the great God, the mighty and awesome one. Do you know this for yourself? You can today. Because it's only when you know this for yourself, the love and awe of God, that we can talk about the next point. Teach the love and awe of God to your children. And this is in the next two verses of Deuteronomy 11, 19 to 20. Teach them to your children. You know, in Hebrew, the word teach is very interesting. It is literally cause to 
learn. So teaching is not like stand at the blackboard and write your lecture notes or flash your PowerPoint and expect people to know. Teach in Hebrew is cause to learn. Make sure they learn. How do you make sure they learn? What the rest of the verses tell us. Talking about them. When you are at home and when you are away, doesn't it sound like discipleship? Teaching in the Old Testament really is more like discipleship. When you lie down, when you get up, write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now again, let me make the first point here. Teach them to your children. It doesn't say fathers teach your children, mothers teach your children. No, no, it's every one of us. All of Israel, all of the church. It takes a village to raise the child. So this is a command for everyone, not just Sunday school teachers, but everyone in the church. You may be auntie uncle, you may be older brother or sister, you may just be a friend. But this is our responsibility, all of us. Teach them to your children. And so we're talking about where to teach, talking about them when you are at home and when you are away. So not just Sunday school. And I thank God for every Sunday school teacher you can leave your kids with right now. Wonderful people. Thank God for them. But it's not just Sunday school teachers who are teaching. It's not about the Sunday school curriculum. It's about everyone, wherever you meet young people. Talking about them when you are at home and when you are away. Lie down or get up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. So in summary, let me talk about teaching the love and awe of God to your children in all places, at all times, about all issues. In other words, it's about teachable moments. Anytime you're with the next generation, make use of every teachable moments. So in all places, at home or away. I thank God for my late mother-in-law who looked after my babies um, when they were young. And she would make milk for them in a bottle. And every time before she would give them the bottle, she would say grace. And this is her simple grace in Hokkien. Oh, I thank God for my mother-in-law, you know, which is, may they be good, may they be smart, may they, may they be healthy. You know? And um, I thank God that she made so much praise on their behalf. Pray for them uh, in, and teach them, it says, when you're away from home. Sometimes when my kids come back and they tell me about bullies in school, then I would say, let's pray together about them. And I would pray that God will protect my children. I pray that God bless the bullies. And blessing them can mean disciplining them. It can praying that God will meet their needs. God will change them. It also involves visiting the principal. But the kids see that God is interested in every part of their lives. And then teach the love and awe of God at all times. In the text, it says when you lie down. That means before you go to bed. That means in the evening and when you rise up. That means when you wake up in the morning at all times. It's interesting, isn't it? That in the Old Testament, we talk about starting the day in the evening. That's the Jewish way. You know, in uh, Genesis 1, it says God made the heavens and the earth, and then there was evening and morning. Old Testament concept, 
is that the day starts in the evening. The day does not start with rushing to work, rushing to school. The day starts with going to sleep with God, trusting God to trust, to protect you through the night and prepare you for the day. So we teach our children at all times. At night, uh, that's that's when they need the assurance. When I was young, I used to visit my grandmother's home. And she has this long house where the toilet was at the right at the end of a long, dark corridor. And I did not like going to the toilet. But urgent, how? You know, switch on all the light. But it was still kind of dark. And my grandmother taught me the Sunday school song in Hokkien. And it goes, Ju ya so tiangua. Ju ya so tiangua. Ju ya so tiangua. E jing bat gua e mia. So, she would tell me, you know, just sing this song, go to the toilet. So I ran to the toilet singing the song, and I ran back, and I made it. And that's how I learned to grow in my faith. Many years later, when my family was living overseas during my study, we rented a house where the toilet was right at the back of a long, dark corridor. I don't know why people always put toilets at the end of a long, dark corridor. Yeah? So, wow, it's a challenge for the kids. And my son, who was just a preschooler at that time, hated going to the toilet, even though we switched on all the light, but it was cold and dark. You know? um, so I did the same thing as what my grandma did. And I said, we're going to sing this song really loudly, and then you go to the toilet on your own and you come back. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. And we sang it really loudly. Ran to the toilet, he ran back, and he grew in his faith. Teach your children at all times. And the last one is about teaching them about the love and awe of God, about all issues. When the Word of God says, you know, to put uh, write the words on the doorpost of our house, that represents the family. Yes, you teach it within the family. But then it also says, write them on the Gates. Gates in the Old Testament refer to the gates of the city. And that means the public place. Because the gates of the city are where legal, judicial decisions are made. That's where trades are made. So we're talking about public issues. Teach them about this. And I saw that today... uh, uh, during the video for the announcement, there was this part about learning about LGBT issues. This is something that we really need to teach our children from young. Teach them about what the Bible has to say about sex, sexuality, gender, so that they can grow up healthily. Because if we don't teach them, the world is going to come rushing in and filling them with the worldly understanding from as young as primary school even. So teach your children. And if you are to teach your children, you need to learn about it for yourself. So teach them about the beauty of sex in marriage. I purposely want to say that because how often can you say the word sex over the pulpit? But it's right there in the Bible. So talk about them to the children as well.
So having done all this, if we know the love and awe of God for ourselves, if we teach the love and awe of God to our children, still, they make the decisions for themselves. What happened to William Wan's daughter? Let me finish the story now. Three years later, after leaving home, she called back to her father and said, I'm pregnant. Please come and get me married to her boyfriend. William decided to go. He told his daughter that he doesn't agree with the choices that she has made, but he still loved her anyway. So they got married. Three years later, he got another phone call. The marriage had ended. The marriage had failed. But this time the daughter said to him, Dad, I'm wrong. You and mom were right. I want to come back to the family. I want to come back to God. I want to change my life around. By the grace of God, she did. She raised her son as a single mom. He's now a fine young adult. And William Wan's daughter went back to study, got her PhD, and is now a university lecturer in a university in Canada. William said that for seven years, though, they did not know what would happen. All they could do was to cry and to pray. Because we have a God who is still the one who loves them unconditionally. He is the good shepherd who will always look for the lost sheep. So we can always pray and turn to him. But first of all, know the unconditional love of God, the awesome power of God for yourself. And then, then you can teach it to your children. Then you can demonstrate it with your life that they may also be raised up knowing the love and all of God for themselves. Let's turn to God now in prayer. The Lord is right here with you this morning in this place. And he wants you to know this, to know of his love and power. So I pray, dear Lord, that you feel each one seated here this morning with the knowledge of your unconditional love because you proved that to us already at the cross while we were yet sinners and did not know you, or we were running away from you, yet you love us. And fill us with the assurance of your awesome power, because you were raised from the dead, to raise us up from the dead, to deliver us from our sins, and to face any crisis together with us. To fill us also with your assurance. And then enable us to teach our next generation, our young people, more of you in all places at all times about all issues. And I want to invite you, sit here this morning, to just mention 
a young person that you know of by name. It could be your son, your daughter, your nieces, your nephew, your Sunday school children, any young person that you know. Mention by name. Mention them by name to God because he cares for them so much more than even you do. Thank you, Lord, that you hear every name that is brought before your throne of grace today and that you will take care of them. Even when we can't, you can and you will. And we pray for them that they might come to know and keep growing in the knowledge of your unconditional love and your awesome power and that they might grow to glorify you We commit all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.